Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss what's going down Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of What's Going Down, here wherever you get your podcasts or ad-free, you get it on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Inside the Ropes. My name is Kenny McIntosh, I'm joined as always by Mr. Finley Martin. Finn, how are you this fine Tuesday? Yes, very well. Very well indeed. How about yourself, Kenny? I'm good, I'm good. I stayed up last night and watched the Raw 30th anniversary show and I lasted till the end. Wow. It's the first time I've done that in a long time. Really enjoyed it, got to say. I did have a good time. Um, but yeah, it was... Uh, it's, it's it's just... Well, cause the good thing was last night is the first hour was commercial free. So that was pretty easy. But then the second and third hour when there's the ads, the ads are what get you. Oh, oh yeah. They are, aren't they? I think if you if you were able to just kind of not have to deal with the ads, you probably could kind of get by because there's stuff going on. But the ads just remind you. It's like it's like you're you know it'd be like if you're at some sort of rave or something and you're just like loving it. And it's like the idea of just like the music stops for ten minutes. Well, then then you kind of get brought back down to earth, and then <laughs> you just want to go home. So. <laughs> Um, but yes, yeah, so I stayed up till four in the morning and watched that, but I was up at 10 out walking the dog. So it's been productive today. It's been a productive day. Anyway. Oh, I'm pleased to hear it, Kenny. I'm pleased um, to hear it. I did notice there seemed to be a lot of adverts in that main event between Theory and Lashley. 
And it was like, right, we've got no ads in the first hour. So we need more ads in hours two and three to make up for it. I don't know whether that's what happened, but it seemed like that was what they did to counteract, you know, zero ads in hour one. Yeah, it definitely felt there was more ads. Um for, for sure. Uh, well, listen, so we'll be talking about AEW on the Personal Podcast this week. We'll catch up on our AEW from last week and this week's episode. Um, but today it's going to be about SmackDown and the Raw 30th anniversary. So SmackDown last week was... I mean, there was some decent stuff on the show. We had the tag team uh, tournament where we had Sheamus and Drew McIntyre against the Viking Raiders. And, you know, <laughs> God bless Sheamus and Drew. They're such a good team. And just the Viking Raiders, I mean... You just you, you you could you could set them on fire and it wouldn't heat them up. They're just such a cold act. You know, they're just Oh, that's not fair. I mean they had that really good match with the New Day, you know, the the what was it, the Viking street, you know, the one with the Viking boat set up. That was really good. Yeah, but, they're, but, they're, the... but they're not they're not an act that you get excited about. No, well, that is true. That is true. I thought they did well here against Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. I thought the match was a was a slow builder, built to a crescendo. I thought everyone looked great in this match. Um, I mean that um, uh, that the uh, top rope splash that uh, Ivar did on Sheamus looked tremendous, and then Sheamus came back and won with the broad kick. I mean, it was a very competitive match. I thought the Viking Raiders uh, were protected here. They looked they looked like not quite the equals of Drew and Sheamus because of course they lost. But I thought they were were well looked after in the booking and the match layout here. They're good. Re- they're good wrestlers. I yeah. just is there as you know if 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 they're going to be Viking Raiders, you almost have to go full throttle with the cheesiness of what that is. Um, I suppose, yeah. I mean. <laughs> You know, sometimes they they feel a bit like they feel a bit like how Chris Statlander was an alien. You know, like, well, yeah, how? Like, it's just, but I mean, I mean, they're they're. Um, I mean, know, it's got to be hammy, really, hasn't it, to work? They can't, if it's it's because like the plane is straight at the moment, it's very serious, yeah. and I think there's got to be nudge, nudge, wink, wink, and there's, it's got to be hammy. I think to especially to work in a pro wrestling environment, it just has to be. There's got to be a a sense of fun. And to main to mainstream wrestling to mainstream people, I mean, there's you know there, there's so many movies where there's like been battle reenactments and stuff that people have went to, or and you know you could ham up that element of it that people would see it as battle reenactment they're doing. Um, they just need to go full, like you say, full ham um, yeah. to to get out of the position of just being good wrestlers who are just kind of stuck in a gimmick that's not really going anywhere, like. You know, you're not you're not putting the belts in the Viking Raiders anytime soon, but maybe with a push, they would uh, that would happen. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean, not, and the thing is, obviously, is with, I mean, I've never seen the Vikings TV show, the one that Edge was in, and no. been, like spin-offs. On I've never watched any of them on Netflix, and I, I imagine they're very bloody, and there's lots of battle scenes, and you know, limbs flying everywhere and stuff. <laughs> so I mean, but I mean, obviously, they can't do that in wrestling, can they? Unfortunately, <laughs> it's, not. It's it's you know it's a combat, but it's like you know it's not quite the same as the as the Netflix programs. So I am with you in a sense that they're not a hot act, yes. But I thought they did very well in this match here against Drew and Sheamus. I mean, this was the best match on the show by a considerable margin, and that was partly because 
Nothing else on the show is really that good in the ring. And the other matches in the tournament um, were given like, I mean, they were given like afterthought time. They were like just given like no time at all to develop. And they were just like almost blinking you miss them territory. So, um, yeah, Drew and Sheamus and the Viking Raiders were certainly, you know, the stars of the show or stars of the tournament uh, on um, last week's SmackDown. Uh, what else were on the show? We also had um, Hit Row against Los Lotharios, Battle of the Superstars, fun, where oh. Hit, Hit Row advanced. I mean, you know, you know, you know, it's a it's a, a shallow tournament when Hit Row are advancing from round one. Um, but you yeah, know, yeah. I mean, first time we've seen Angel and Humberto on SmackDown for a while. I mean, I think they're a really good team. I think they could do so much more. But the problem is they're entering that territory now where they've been jobbed out too much that it might be almost in, it might actually be impossible for anyone to take them seriously. I mean, it gets to a point, doesn't it, where people just aren't going to give them a chance because they've lost too many times. And that's where you end up. But luckily for the third match, we got back to to just really good stuff, which was Imperium against the Brawling Brutes, Ludwig and Giovanni Vinci against Ridge Holland and Butch. And that was really good. Imperium getting the win. It was kind of, you know, kept short. It just went under 10 minutes, but uh, that was a pretty good match with two really good teams. Yeah. Um, just, but uh, to me, it sort of felt because they'd allocated so much time to Drew and Sheamus versus the Vikings, it felt like the Brutes and Imperium were shortchanged to an extent. I mean, I didn't like the way that they just crammed all these matches onto this episode. I think they should have just done two um, first round matches on the show, not four. And then they started a week earlier, and then yes, two exactly. first round, two first round, and then the two semifinals. Exactly. This was almost you know Vince Russo style stuff, where there's just too many matches on the show, yeah. to the point where it was difficult to remember any of them other than the Drew and Sheamus Vikings match because that was so good. Um, I mean, to me, Brawling Brutes and Imperium it was okay. I mean, Vinci pin Ridge Holland. Um, it was a decent match, but nothing that was really that really really made that much of an impression. And when teams like the Brutes lose this quickly, it's almost like one of those gauntlet matches that doesn't have enough time. It's like everyone really loses because, you know, people have to, people are eliminated too quickly. So they don't feel like stars anymore. And I think if they'd just been two tournament matches and they're given um, both of them enough time, I think they would have been more memorable than what they did give us on SmackDown last week. Um, and then the final match, Fed was Maximum Male Models against <laughs> Legado del Fantasma. Um, God, I mean, I love Maximum Male Models. I really do love them as an act. But, I mean, you can't really just put them in this serious tournament. It just feels a bit, you know... I mean, it only went... I mean, like you said, because, because Drew and Sheamus and the Viking Raiders got so much time, uh, this kept very short. Legado del Fantasma won. Uh, yeah. Poor Maximum Male Models. They got, they're going to have to just keep their... Keeps their eyes on the catwalk around the ring. Well, I mean, I have been thinking about this, that, you know, if Vince does return as head of the booking team, then certain there will be winners and losers. And I think MMM, the maximum male models, they could be winners if Vince does return. So some people are probably like rooting for him, rooting for the old guy to get his old job back. 
Yeah, the maximum male models might be the only people rooting for him to get his job back. But at least there's somebody. Well, uh, don't forget about Lacey Evans as well, right? Well, true, true. Lacey, Lacey would 100% want, <laughs> want him to come back. Um, and then elsewhere on uh, SmackDown, apart from the, the tag matches, we also had uh, Ellie Knight win in a squash match. And then afterwards, we have the return of the Firefly Funhouse. Uh, Bray Wyatt is there with all his pals and... Uh, basically warns Ellie Knight, you know, you've opened the door and uh, it's your responsibility to deal with uh, whatever walks through it. I mean, at least this was, I mean, it it was still a lot of nothing, but at least with the kind of Firefly Funhouse thing, it felt like you were given another small nugget of something, but we were like a broken record fan. It, It is going to culminate this Saturday in the Mountain Dew pitch black match that you are staking your claim it is going it's to be my big. professional reputation, Kenny. What's left of it? <laughs> you spent, there's not you spent much. Most of, not you spent much. Most of last year talking about Bailey returning, then when you stopped talking about it, she returned. <laughs> God, sick. But look, mate, it's a new year. Maybe you know if you start off this year and this Mountain Dew pitch black match is a big hit, you know all all is forgiven. That's so, it. I'm back on top. Yeah, I'm those Mustafa Ali days will be far behind you. Exactly, it's like that. Was it John Johnny Fontaine in uh, in The Godfather? If I get this gig, Godfather, I'm back on top. That'll be me. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, hopefully that was the name of the fellow in The Godfather. Uh, so, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, LA Knight came out. He did a promo. He said it was Knight's game. I mean, the fans for Knight. It, what happens now while he's a heel is not super important because it's when he turns face that's when he's really going to do well and people are going to like this guy we we saw this in NXT he was a heel and he turned face and people wanted to like him long before he turned and he's he's got that old attitude era catchphrase that people you know the chant along catchphrase that so few wrestlers have today um, so I think he'll really develop that when he becomes a face. But I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm really hope this match not just for my, you know, to protect <laughs> what's left of my reputation or potentially save my reputation. Uh, but I also hope for, for Wyatt and for Knight and for everyone watching <laughs> that this is a success. This match because if it's not, then I think it could. I'm not saying it's going to ruin the show. Because the Raw Rumble matches are almost can't miss. I mean, the the you know the they always. When was the last time they got a Raw Rumble match wrong? I mean, you're probably going to have to go back to 2015, maybe, possibly. In, in the men, I mean, in the men's, yes. In the in the, in the women's, um, <laughs> more wrong than right, probably. But in the men's, yeah, it's been a long time since they got one wrong. Yeah, so, I mean, they'll save the show regardless of the quality of Wyatt versus Knight. But I really do hope that this match is a success. I mean, there is, you know, a a faint alarm bell going off. You know, a a warning sign, sirens. You know, wake up, Finley, basically. That's what these sirens are saying to me. And (laughs) there is, yeah, some concern there. The fact that they haven't explained what this match is yet. And we've got exactly one more program to be broadcast, SmackDown, this Friday before Raw Rumble. The fact that they haven't really given us any indication of what's going to happen in this pitch black match is a cause of some worry for me. 
Um, but I'm just hoping that um, they've got a plan and that it works and that it's a hit on the night. But we shall see. We shall see this Saturday. We shall see. Uh, but the, the main the main crux of uh, SmackDown was, of course, uh, that Roman Reigns was not happy with Sami Zayn. And um, Sami Zayn, you know, eventually Sami Zayn admits that he was upset that he wasn't allowed to beat Kevin Owens on his own. And, he, and you know, he wasn't told of the plan. And then Roman Reigns is getting annoyed. me like, I need to run the plans by you now. I need to answer to you. And, you know, he just told him to get out and... Uh, you know, Paul Heyman says to Reigns, you know, look, with the big match coming up, it's maybe better having Sami Zayn inside the castle pissing out than have him outside the castle pissing in. I mean, a crude, a crude uh, phrasing there from Heyman. Uh-huh. Unlike him to use such crude language, I thought the word Smith would have come up with something better than that. But, you know, I understood, the, I certainly understood the point he was making. And so did Roman Reigns, who then called Sammy back in and for a reconciliation. And he apologised to Zane again, second time this month. Um, Zane said, you know, I always put the family first. Um, and Reigns said to uh, Sammy, you know, good, now go and get the SUVs ready, make sure the private plane's all fueled up, fueled up and ready to go. We need everything on standby. So after, you know, this contract signing takes place with KO in the main event, we can just get the heck out of here. So Zayn hopped to it. He went and sorted that out. And then Reigns went to the ring with Solo and Heyman for the contract signing with Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns had a surprise. It was an ambush, wasn't it, Kenny? It was. But the, the key was that because Roman Reigns had said to Sami Zayn, you know, you go and sort the, you know, make sure the Usos are ready, make sure the Jets ready, and Solo and Paul and I will go out and deal with the contract signing. So once the ambush happened and, you know, Kevin Owens came in and attacked Roman Reigns, the Usos came out for the save, and then Sami Zayn was, was, the, was a bit late to come out. And... Um, yeah. In the end, after after Owens had uh, stunned uh, Roman Reigns and Powerbomb through a table, Kevin Owens flung the signed contract at Sami Zayn, who then made. I mean, how would you describe half-hearted? It? it looked a bit half-hearted, didn't it? Yeah. Well, how would you describe Sami Zayn's attempt at running off Kevin Owens? It didn't seem very urgent, did it? No, no sense of urgency there. There's uh, a lot of confliction. That, I see. <laughs> Lackadaisical, maybe. <laughs> you know. um, but yeah, I mean, so you know, it's, it's come out that the the bloodline. We'll talk about it in a second, but the bloodline acknowledgement said, you know, the acknowledgement ceremony for the bloodline had to be cancelled or had to be yeah pus- cancelled because Afa and Sika weren't very well, Rikishi wasn't very well, so there's just no way to do it. So this segment here was to set up what they would then do on Raw, which would be the trial of Sami Zayn. So, yes. I mean, if I didn't know any better, I would have thought this and Raw were all part of the plan. It did not feel shoehorned or like a last-minute, you know, angle. It felt like it was very much part of the story, which, um, you know, if you're looking for a reason why Triple H at the helm is a good thing, the fact that you wouldn't notice is a real telltale sign. Yeah, they, they definitely, you know, adapted to that one very quickly. Um, and um, I mean, I think if there'd been more members of the family in the ring, 
I think people would have been distracted by them and they might also as well, because there isn't really an emotional attachment at this point to those older members, um, you know, of the, you know, Roman Reigns' parents and Jimmy and Jay's dad. There isn't really an emotional attachment there. Or if there is, it's a nostalgic one. So it's different. And I think it would have sort of upset um, the reaction to Zayn and Solo and Heyman and Jimmy and Jay and Roman Reigns. So I think by streamlining it and just um, featuring the central players who've been involved in this saga from the beginning, I think that actually turned out for the best. Because by adding you know other elements to it, I think it would have just diluted what they were seeking to achieve, which was you know Zayn's in the doghouse, uh, Reigns is annoyed with him, then, as we saw on Raw, you know, Jay stood up for um, Sammy and basically saved him from being thrown out of the group. So I think it just really simplified the whole process and reminded us of, of who matters and what's at stake here. Because if you start adding too many elements to a storyline, it just becomes cluttered and diluted and jumbled, doesn't it? And you end up not making the point that you want to make as succinctly and effectively as you would have done if you just kept it simple, stupid. Keep it simple, stupid is is a is a great a great line. Um, I mean, th- I think that the SmackDown thing really set up what was going to happen on Raw, and it was another layer to the story. I mean, I think in in five years' time we'll still be talking about the blood the bloodline stuff. You know, we'll we'll be we'll be mentioning this stuff as a either a comparison to something great in five years' time, or you know, if there's something terrible, we'll be saying, "Remember when the bloodline was around and all the stuff they did with with that?" Like this will be something that's mentioned a lot, oh, so. without a doubt. It it, will, it is going to be remembered for many years to come because of how many people are involved, how over Sami Zayn has become as a result of this. I mean, it's helped everyone involved. I mean, everyone who's been involved in this saga, I mean, you know, if Matt Riddle, um, I mean, you know, hopefully he'll be back fairly soon. Hopefully, you know, he's made some changes and he can come back, you know, and he can be a productive member of the roster again. And, you know, he can just get on with what's important. Um, Riddle, if you remember last year, remember that match he had with Roman Reigns on SmackDown? It was tremendous, wasn't it? Absolutely mm-hmm. dynamic. One of the matches of one of the TV matches of 2022. So I think basically everyone who's come into contact with him, actually, with the notable exception of Drew McIntyre, because of his loss at Clash of the Castle, but I'm still hoping, Kenny, that <laughs> his turn isn't too far off and that he can rebuild and come back stronger than ever. Um, but, you know, even even Drew will probably, you know, in years to come, and probably even now, even though he lost in Cardiff, that was still the biggest match of his career. A huge success in the ring, huge success financially. So even though it was a setback for him, the fact that he lost, it was still enormous for his career, wasn't it? Uh-huh. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, this bloodline, you know, it's the ripples have just, um, you know, been beneficial to so many people in WWE. Um, I mean the the yeah, it, it's been, it's been beneficial to everybody, and it's it's such a classic, uh, it's it's such a classic segment segment that's good. Well, I mean, and then 
you know, the the the, the court segment we're going to get to in a second was just blew SmackDown out of the water. So it just continues to to better itself. But let's get into the Raw 30th anniversary that took place last night in Philadelphia. Oh, can we I just mention that Michael Cole um, at the beginning of SmackDown acknowledged uh, the passing of Jay Briscoe. And he said on the air that uh, Jay and his brother Matt were one of wrestling's great tag teams. That so was really nice of Michael Cole and WWE to acknowledge that. And in the uh, contract signing segment, uh, KO was wearing an armband with Jay written on it. So um, nice that he was acknowledged in WWE. Yes. Uh, yeah, very, very nice for them to do it, given that he'd never sort of been a part of the company. Um, yeah. You know, much better than Warner Brothers Discovery and their, frankly, horrific way of dealing with it, to be honest. But, um, you know, that's, that's what they've decided to do. Um mm. Anyway, let's move on to Raw. So we opened yes. the show with Hulk Hogan and Jimmy Hart making an appearance, and Hogan actually got cheered um, by the crowd. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't the Hulk Hogan pop that you would have got, you know, ten years ago. But you know, he didn't get booed, so he'll probably be, uh, you know, happy at that. He came out just kind of did a nothing promo about you know being here and. Unfortunately, his, his microphone was malfunctioning as well, wasn't it? His Which microphone is... was malfunctioning, so somebody had to come and give him another one. I mean, he, he didn't he didn't get phased by it. I'll give him that. You know, he just kind of he, he did the promo he was supposed to do. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, he was he was he was there. It was kind of nothing. Um, what else do you say? Yeah, I mean, it was he was just like a nostalgia nostalgia act coming out doing a catchphrase. You know, he wasn't out there too long. They probably feared that he would be booed if he overstayed his welcome. So I think that was sensible that he was only required to speak for, what was he out there, 90 seconds? Can't be much more than that. So it was very short and sweet. And, um, you know, I mean, he made an appearance. And um, it's a shame that it's come to this. But on the other hand, he's only got himself to blame. And we've said this before, Kenny, about Hogan is that there was lots of ways he could have handled what happened. And um, and he chose not to go down the road of atonement and try and repent, which is, you know, unfortunate for him. But that's the way it is. And that was the choices he made. Um, so then the show really got started by us having the uh, trial of Sami Zayn to open the show. And... Um, so this segment went about 30 minutes um, but it, I mean there was so much good stuff in here you know you, you could be here for hours just mentioning some of the you know there's an ECW chant and then Heyman says you know those letters mean a lot to me they're very near and dear to me and then he said ECW is dead and I wish the same for Sami Zayn <laughs> I mean what a professional Finn <laughs> Oh, just, I mean, just very, just twisted it. Just took that chant and just turned it around. And that's hard. I mean, I imagine that's hard to do. That's not an easy skill to be able to just take something like that and immediately weave into what you're doing. Well, I mean, for Heyman. For Heyman, it's easy, but I'm talking for, you know, how many people in wrestling can do that with the ease that he does it with? Well, probably not many. But I mean, let's face it. I mean, this is Heyman. I mean, if you want to talk about fancy footwork, late 2000 ECW, when he didn't have any money, people were months behind, weeks or even months at one point behind him on pay. 
he was the guy with like the sticks and the plates and he somehow, <laughs> somehow managed to continue running shows even though people were like nine or ten weeks behind on the money. So, I mean, that was, you know, that there was like the real definition, you know, of a smooth operator, a smooth talker. We know Heyman's one of those. Mm-hmm. But um, so, yeah, so, so he said ECW is dead and he wished the same for Sami Zayn. Heyman said that Zayn was a Judas and a betrayer who had been in a conspiracy with Kevin Owens from day one. He got all the lines in it. Day one, he kept using the phrase guilty as charged, which, of course, was the name of an ECW pay-per-view. So that was really funny. Um, And then he showed a lot of footage Heyman did of Zayn fleeing from Drew, um, you know, just not supporting the bloodline, not being there for the bloodline in their hour of need. Uh, shoulder barging past Roman Reigns. Heyman said that uh, Zayn was a rat bastard. <laughs> I mean, he identified him as a wrong'un, didn't he, Kenny? Mm-hmm. Guilty as charged, according to Heyman. Guilty as charged. I mean, the, and the whole thing, the whole, I mean, in some way, because then, then it all plays, because when this is happening, you are kind of thinking to yourself, well, Paul Heyman has kind of, at times, been on Sami Zayn's side and, yeah, and all this kind of stuff. But then, when... but we we know him and can't be trusted. We know him and he's... Clear, he's made that clear, hasn't he? Throughout this, is that he's, you know, he's disingenuous at best, and that yeah. he's just playing everyone off against everyone else, and he'll and say he, whatever. He... He... Sorry, can I... and, and 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 his you know his um, prosecution evidence was was you know it was a stretch. Some of it, you know, he was using things to make it look as bad as possible, and then. You know, but and then but then that leads to Sami Zayn kind of being like, do you know what? I had a defense, but after you saying that to me, after all the times that we've, you know, I've thought you we were friends and this was a family and I was involved, I don't have a defense anymore. And that was such a great reaction from Sami because he was so hurt that Heyman would sort of just, you know, play, play him like that, kick him to the curb. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was deflated, despairing. I think is the word. And then, and then Roman Reigns fumed that Zayn wasn't willing to fight for it. So then he dispatched Solo as the executioner to deliver, you know, the 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 thumb the thumb to the to the side of the neck and do him in. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, Jay Uso leapt to Sami Zayn's defense, an unlikely savior in his hour of need. And the thing that was so good about Roman's verbiage back to Sami Zayn was you can believe that Roman Reigns, the character, would be like, you know, so you don't even want to fight to be in this family that you say means so much to you. Now you just don't care. It it all made sense. Heyman had a great line when they were showing, he was showing Sami Zayn on top of the the, the War Games cage. That's it, yeah, doing like a a force symbol as if he was, (laughs) it's something something to do with Kevin Owens, like Montreal... For, for right. life, and Heyman goes, "What's this? Are we the NWO?" I mentioned the Dangerous Alliance as well. They got a reference in twenty twenty three, and then you know, so like you say, Solo Sakota is ready to just you know he's got the the Simone Spike ready to go, and then Jay Uso steps in and stops Solo from uh, doing the move to Sami Zayn. He says that you know I don't mean any disrespect, but you know 
I didn't like him at first, but I've got some footage of my own. And then Jay Uso ended up being the defense for Sami Zayn. Who could have predicted that thing a couple of months ago? I mean, what a what a turnaround. What a U-turn. So he showed all this video evidence of Sammy helping the bloodline, you know, taking bullets for the team. Um, one incident after another where Sammy had been there, you know, enabled um, Jimmy and Jay to score wins, took the, the famous angle where he took the chair for, I think, was it for Solo? He shoved Solo out of the way and took the chair shot to the back. From Drew? Yeah, because it was right after Clash at the Castle and Drew was raging because Solo had cost him the title. That's it. I mean, one of the, just the timing on that, I remember we talked about it um, just after it had happened. And it was like the timing on that was no hesitation at all. Yeah. And it was just like, shove him out of the way, get in position with your back at the ready. Drew, whack. I mean, it just looked amazing. So Jay referred to, you know, Sammy, he said he loves Sammy. I referred to him as like he was a brother to him. He loved him like a brother. Uh, Jay said that he wanted Sammy to stay in the bloodline. And so did Jimmy. So it wasn't just Jay. It was Jimmy as well. Um, and then Jay said, you know, if you want Sammy to stay in the bloodline, put up your, put up the, you know, the, the finger, you know, the arm in the air and, Jay did and Jimmy did. And we sort of looked for a moment like Solo might join them, but he didn't because he sort of, he stays out of these things, doesn't he? He's like he's independent. He's this stoic figure, you know, unemotional. He just stays <laughs> out of it. And then Roman, well, you better finish it off, Kenny. I want to steal your thunder on the ending of the segment. Well, I'm, ju- I'm just here to, to throw it over to you. But ba- yeah, basically, um, you know, Jay Uso puts forward his defense of of Sami Zayn and it was all, you know, way more uh, relevant and compelling evidence than, than Heyman had. And then Reigns uh, sort of stands up and says, as your tribal chief, I find you, Sami Zayn, not guilty. Crowd cheer, and he says, for now. And he says, Jay's bought you more time. I want you to finish the night, make the bloodline proud, and then I don't want to see you again until Saturday. And at the Rumble, you're going to have your final test, and we're going to see if Sami Zayn really is the bloodline or not. Mm. So, I mean, it's smart to... It's it's a, it's ve- it's a ve- very challenging thing, I think, to to do a segment on a anniversary show that you want to be memorable. It's also in the go-home show of a big four pay-per-view that also hooks you into something that's going to happen on the pay-per-view. And to do that all in one is a pretty impressive feat to to have, and I think they did it with this segment. Yeah, I mean, they had plenty of time. I mean, it's hard to believe that it lasted as long as it did because it never slowed down. Well, it, it was paced perfectly. You know, it was just ticked along nicely. And, um, I mean, all the players had their role. I mean, Jimmy didn't really do much, but, I mean, there we go. It was just Jay's moment to step up and stand up for Sammy because he said mm-hmm. well Sammy you know I hate Jay was saying I hated Sammy and Sammy didn't give up on me and now I love him like a brother so I mean it was a big segment for basically everyone um you know Jimmy standing by Jay's side and you know giving the signal that he supported him and he wanted him to remain in the bloodline so that possibly swayed Roman Reigns' decision and then at the end Reigns said yeah, you're not guilty for now, um, but the final test will take place this Saturday at Royal Rumble. 
And, you know, Zayn went from, you know, his hopes were raised only for them to be sort of dashed. And he was like, there's this disquiet on his part. It's like, oh, no, you know, what's what's coming up? What do I have to do on the night? And presumably, presumably, Kenny, Zayn's going to have to do something to ensure that Roman Reigns retains the title or the championships against KO. That's presumably what the final test is. Because we know this is a huge match for KO. Mm -hmm. Enormous, one of the biggest matches of his career, if not the biggest. And, well, possibly not the biggest. So I think the Steve Austin match at WrestleMania last year was bigger, but this is still pretty big. Mm -hmm. So I think if Sami Zayn costs him the match then maybe that will be the reassurance that Roman Reigns needs that Zayn is bloodline for life. <laughs> maybe, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure if they can do one of those T-shirts. Probably not. It's too late because we know that a split's coming, don't we? We're in we? the final stretch. Oh, yeah. No. Did, did you see, um, I don't know whether these were faked or what, but someone put some pictures online of the... Um, the souvenir chairs for Elimination Chamber, Chamber, and they've got Sami Zayn on the chairs. Oh, do they? I've not seen it, but I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, it seems smart to put him on the chairs. He's going to be the star yeah. of the show that night. Yeah. I mean, I don't know whether somebody has just mocked these up and just put them out there online and it's not real. Um, but, I mean, we know that Sam, we don't know what Sami's going to do at Elimination Chamber, but we know he's going to play a, a, an integral role in that yes. premium live okay. event, obviously. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that, I think... That's going to be the big test, you know. Will yeah. will he will he ensure that Kevin o- Kevin Owens loses to Roman Reigns in their match at Royal Rumble? Um, well, that then led us into the uh, Judgment Day Usos tag title match, and it was a pretty good match. And then all of a sudden, Jimmy Uso does a dive, and I I bought that he was hurt initially for like ten seconds. Um, which was really clever because then they, it was obviously, you know, they threw up the X and it was, he'd injured himself. So he was going to have to be out of the match. And then Adam Pierce comes out and says, look, if you can't continue, you're going to have to forfeit the match. And that means you forfeit the titles. And then Sami Zayn says, Jimmy Uso can't compete, but Sami Uso can. And Pierce says, I've allowed it before. Cause obviously he did allow it in the, the match that got the judgment day, the, the title shot, right? Yes. Because Bauer yeah. had to take that out. So continuity Finn. Was continuity. Finished. It's what we need. Storyline continuity, Kenny. And uh, and then Sami Zayn ultimately was, you know, he was on fire in this match when he came in. Like, yeah, the, the, the match. I thought the match was was really flat. I mean, it sh- I was like quite surprised by how little interest there was in Jimmy and Jay versus Damian Priest and Dominic Mysterio. Um, I mean, and- I mean it's, it's two heel teams, so you've kind of got maybe that going against it, I guess. Yeah, but but. What had we just seen in the segment prior yeah, to this? True. Jimmy and Jay acting like faces. And um, so the fans really should have been behind them, really should have been on their side. Um, so I was surprised at how little interest there was in, in this in this match. Um, but um, anyway, happily, Sammy joined the fray. He replaced the um, supposedly injured, injured Jay. I mean, they've done that fake referee putting the X symbol with his arms. They've done that before where they faked it. Um, I mean, people know, of course, that that's something that referees do when someone is authentically, legitimately injured, but they have faked it before there. So, you know, it was not the first time they'd done that. And then Sammy joined the match and it was just, it went from like 
on the dial, it went from two to like nine, didn't it? You know, within mm-hmm. within like 30 seconds. And it just it went up to 10, if not 11 on the dial, Kenny. So, uh, I mean, yeah, it was um, it was quite, quite a turnaround, really. And it just showed you just how over Sammy it is. And it just hopefully, you know, this is going to, you know, it's going to increase when he's finally drummed out, booted out of the bloodline. And he's going to be this top, you know, potentially a top line baby face. And this is the problem, you know, I think Sammy's going to be all right. I think he is. But also sometimes your stardom can be connected to the storyline that you're involved in and the act and the knowledge that everyone has that, you know, he's a member of the bloodline, but the bloodline don't really trust him. And we know something's coming and that in a sense is a huge part of why he's such a big star. So I'm hoping when he's thrown out, he can maintain that on his own. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, and I mean, because when he, when Sammy came in and he started kind of, you know, laying out the judgment day, it was electric. Because he, he, Sammy's not really had moments like that in the ring recently where he's been that you know, but he the energy he had that he had to help them win was was palpable. And then, of course, at the end, you've got him holding the belts. Yeah, looking at the belts, and that's a tease potentially to the future. Of like, does he want to be a champion? And a lot, a lot of layers to it. So, um, we obviously can't go through all of the cameos that were on the show, but there were a lot of them, and a lot of people were there. Uh, the Bellas were not there. The Bellas actually put a thing out on social media saying that they were very unhappy. Uh, they travelled to Philadelphia for the show and then uh, weren't on it. And they said, you know, they didn't even want to show Sasha in any clips because she's too over. They didn't want to uh, show Soraya. Because um, there was some criticism, and I think it's fairly well-leveled criticism, that there wasn't really any focus on, like, women of the past on this show. Um, and obviously there was a lot of male wrestlers in the past, but I think they could have done with one segment, but really for that you would need you would have needed Trish or Lita or somebody, you know, who was more of a game changer. Um, yeah, and even with the Bellas, I mean, I get the feeling the Bellas probably were going to be in the poker game. Um, and yeah, I get I mean, why. I mean, there was loads of adverts for Nikki's upcoming uh, wedding show, and he wasn't there. Yeah, there was loads of ads for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, maybe they just maybe they they didn't just want to be background players in the poker game. So fair enough. Um, 
but the next segment that, that drew some some coverage, Finn, was Ellie Knight came out um, to talk about the, the match with Bray Wyatt. And they said, look, you know, if there's any legends back there that want to come out and try me, feel free to try me. And then the gong goes off. <laughs> but then we get Kid Rock's American Badass theme and The Undertaker drives out in a motorcycle. I mean, at, at low speed. At I mean, low speed. I mean, that, surely that wasn't his motorbike. Because he didn't really seem to be able to. It's like me trying to operate it, <laughs> driving it really slow. And there's tons of space around the ring, isn't there? Yeah, just way more than like, there used to be. Yeah, and it just seemed to me like he was having a lot of trouble manoeuvring that thing around the ring. And then it took him ages after the segment ended. It took him ages to start the thing up to drive <laughs> it back. I thought we were going to have like a repeat of you know the famous. Goldberg and Chris Jericho segment, you know, when his car broke down after Jericho <laughs> chucked the paint yeah. on the bonnet. Oh dear. So oh, memories. Um oh, yeah. comes out in the American Badass uh, kind of you know theme and persona which he hasn't done in a long, long time. You know, we, yeah. we kind of we kind of wanted to see that at WrestleMania 34 against John Cena, but we didn't. Um so Undertaker comes out, uh, Ellie Knight teases he's going to leave and sort of let Undertaker live to fit another day. And then the lights go out, Bray Wyatt's theme plays, Wyatt appears, he kind of stalks Ellie Knight down to the ring, gets in there, Undertaker's got Ellie Knight by the throat, but then he shoves him and throws him over to Wyatt, who then does the sister Abigail, and Undertaker and Wyatt are looking at each other, the fans are chatting, holy shit, it was a big moment to see these two guys face off. And then Undertaker whispers something off mic, to Bray Wyatt and then leaves. So mm. very interesting. What did you make of this? Well, I didn't like the way that LA Knight was treated like a, like a mid-level player. I mean, the way that Undertaker just manhandled him. I mean, Undertaker, I mean, in contrast, really, you know, and let's face it, we all remember the DX segment. Was it with Damien Sandow where they basically humiliated him? Yes, yeah. I was watching that actually... Yesterday from Raw 1000. Yes. So we all remember that. and But if you contrast that with the way DX were with Imperium on this show, and they all backed down as well they should have done. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not expecting The Undertaker to back down from LA Knight, even though he's retired, because I just don't think he should as a character. But on the other hand, I don't think, you know, by the same token, rather, I don't think that... Undertaker should be grabbing Knight by the throat and just totally, you know, immobilizing and leaving him totally debilitated and then throwing him to Wyatt, who smashed him into the canvas with Sister Abigail. And Knight just looked like a nobody here. So I didn't like that at all. Um, but I mean, it was quite interesting that, you know, Undertaker and Wyatt had the square off and then Undertaker said something to Wyatt and that was, they filmed that. So that was deliberate and we don't know what was said. So hopefully that will we'll find out what he did say to Wyatt. Wyatt will reveal that at a later date and that will be meaningful in some way. But is, uh, it, is it a passing of the torch moment? Is it leading to something? I don't know. Well, I mean, possibly. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I didn't like the way, like the way that they treated Knight here at all. I thought this was like bad old days of, you know, Vince in charge and... Just um he did I will give Elliot this though. He there's a lot of wrestlers who when this happens to them, when some you know, when they get beat up by people, 
that they could have become the forgotten part of the story. But Ellie Knight, to me, did everything he could with his with the time that he was involved. That I remembered him in the segment. Yeah, and I think that's a testament to him and how good he is that he was able to do that because it'd be very easy with Undertaker and Bray Wyatt to immediately just be the forgotten third guy. Um, but I think he really credit to him for sort of going, okay, you know, I maybe my maybe my position in this is not what I want it to be, but I'm going to make sure that the part that I am in, I'm going to put in a good performance, which a lot of people, you know, don't tend to do as well as he did. So fair play to him. Yeah, possibly. But I mean, to me, like Knight, you know, he's like, he's in great shape. I mean, Undertaker grabbed him with with one hand around the throat and Knight was just, couldn't do anything. Paralyzed totally... almost to the, 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 the force of the Undertaker thing. <laughs> well, it was just totally, he couldn't do anything. He was totally defenseless. And to me, Knight should have been allowed to grab the Undertaker's arm and just break three break free from his grip, right, and just sort of have that moment there where he'd done that under his own power and then looked at Wyatt, then maybe looked at The Undertaker again and then maybe then looked at Wyatt and then Undertaker had like, I don't know, but something had happened where he was um, outnumbered and didn't look as weak as he did. I just thought he looked feeble against The Undertaker here. He was a retired wrestler, as we know. And we know he's got his reputation and he's, you know, a hard man and all that carry on. But to me, it's like, think about the big match this Saturday. I mean, most people think that thought before this segment that Wyatt was going to win. And now, now I would think that everyone thinks that Wyatt's going to win. So which could well diminish the interest and the, the, the amount of, you know, crowd response there are, there, there is to the match on Saturday, which could you know, further damage its chances of success. And my reputation's on the line here, Kenny. Justice for Ellie Knight and justice for Finn, is why. Exactly. Um, although, you know, although the Undertaker maybe showed signs of the old the old guard, DX came out next. Well, no, they came, they came out. So there was supposed to be the cage match, we should mention this, actually. There was supposed to be the cage match with Bailey and Becky. Yes. Um, because the tribe trial of Sami Zayn went on for so long it went overtime they decided to instead of Becky was supposed to beat Bailey and then there'd be a post-match beat down by damage control and instead they just did an angle and mm-hmm. had damage control beat Becky Lynch down and this caused a lot of controversy from people kind of saying you know did this cage match really need to be cut you could cut other things in the show which again I think is fair criticism to be honest um I mean but the thing is what what else what else would you have caught I mean, I mean you could have cut the you could have cut the Bianca Belair and Sonya Deville match. Well, actually, yes, you could have cut that match. And then have... that that's eight and a half minutes. That you could yeah, just that match. Right that there. match. Well, you could have actually just had the the Bianca and Charlotte Flair. Yeah, um, just have them do a segment. Conversation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so... that would have, that would have been that would have been a solution for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't think it really matters because I think I think wasn't I think Lynch had been scheduled to win. Yes. Think, yes, because obviously Bailey had won their previous match. So in some ways, had Bailey lost to Lynch, that would have been yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. This ended up being fortuitous for Bailey that she didn't have to do the job to Lynch here on TV. Um so the fact that damage control beat down Lynch here means that when Lynch 
appears at the Rumble this Saturday. No doubt while members of Damage Control are in the ring, there should be a lot of interest in that. So, I mean, you've got to look at the big picture here. So I think it should heat up um, the Lynch-Bailey, you know, or Lynch versus Dakota and Eo Sky. Whoever's, all three of them will probably be in the ring when Lynch turns up. And uh, so that should make that make that uh, an interesting and fiery part of the women's Royal Rumble match. Uh, well, then we had the uh, so DX came out and they came out with Kurt Angle, which initially you were like, "Why is Kurt Angle with DX?" And they're they're sort of about to do their whole shtick, and then they notice Kurt Angle, and he's like, "I always wanted to be in DX." And then they kind of have this kind of funny back and forth with all of them, and then Imperium come out to interrupt. And they basically threaten to beat up DX if they don't get out of the ring. And then Triple H goes to square up to Gunther and then goes, oh, I'm retired. I can't do this. And then they all kind of take a turn at, you know, basically joking that they've not got what it takes to to hang anymore. Yeah. Um, and it, 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 long story short, Seth Rollins and the Street Profits come out to make it a six-man tag. But it appears the days, Finn, of DX beating up the youth of today are gone. And hallelujah. That's it. Undertaker's now in that role. <laughs> well, he's always been in that role, to be fair. That's not a new thing. <laughs> he's taken Kelly over. and I got off light compared to what some other people have had to deal with in the past. Well, I mean, it was really funny, wasn't it? I mean, Shawn Michaels always cracks me up in these segments because he just sends himself up so much, doesn't he? And he, he's just like, he just enjoys making himself look ridiculous. And uh, and all of us, no, I'm not going. I'm not squaring up to him. And then, like, <laughs> and then they had like the DX huddle with Kurt Angle. And like, right, Kurt, come on! I'm not facing him. So I mean, this was a great moment for uh, Gunter and the rest of Imperium. And Gunter almost looked like he was cracking up. And uh, <laughs> you know, and a far cry as well from happily from you know the notorious Survivor Series Survivor Series beaten by Drew McIntyre. I mean, would this have happened? Had Vince McMahon been in charge, people are saying, "Ah, oh, Vince is back. He's running the show." No, he isn't. He's not running the show because if he was, this would not have happened. It's that simple. Yeah, this show would have been very different with Vince in charge. Exactly. Um, but the the DX stuff was harmless. It was fun. You know, we even got at the end Triple H saying, "You know, this booking stuff's really hard." <laughs> funny, funny line. They called Road Dog Butterbean, which I also appreciated. <laughs> got a lot of good Butterbean reference. <laughs> That's it. And then they called out Teddy Lowe, you know, making a decision. We need someone to make a decision, you know, between the five of them. You know, with a combined <laughs> age of like 250 plus, they couldn't make a decision. Probably got like 100 years pro wrestling experience between them, but they still or they still couldn't make a decision. And that was uh, Teddy Long, Teddy Long's little moment to come out and make a decision. So he had a little cameo there, didn't he? Yes, he had a cameo. And then we got the six-man tag with Imperium against uh, Seth and the Street Profits, and that was really good fun. Uh, obviously, uh, Vinci took the pinfall <clears throat> from, uh, you know, Ford did a top row frog splash, Rollins does the stomp. You know, so it was just good fun. Gunther obviously was not involved in the pinfall, which is exactly the right move. Um, and yeah, it was it was really good. Um, we then had we also had came about Jerry Lawler on guest commentary. Oh, he was so he, he did have a funny line when he said to Kevin Patrick, "Kevin, do you think you'll make it to Raw 31? Which is his only funny line that he had. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so we we had we also had Bianca Belair and Charlotte Flair have a segment together where they were both kind of you know the champions. 
basking in their own glory and then Sonia Deville came out and it led to Bianca versus Sonia Deville. And you know, Sonia Deville is one of these people who she's she she's learned how to wrestle and she can do it, but she has no unique qualities or unique moves or unique you know, Bianca Belair is a unique wrestler. You know, she's someone yes. who can do things that are very uh, unique to her, and so is Charlotte. But Sonia's just not got any of that. So you, you then find that Bianca's having to kind of dumb down what she can do to be on Sonia's level. And it just kind of gives you this kind of nothing match. But Yeah, it was it was kind of clunky, wasn't it? There was lots of hesitation. It was as if they, they, um, they were really struggling out there. And this match did neither any good, in my opinion. Didn't really make Bianca look like a star or enhanced her championship reign. And Sonia, you know, lost without really putting up that much resistance. I don't think she looked like a threat to anyone in this match. Mm-hmm. Um, and then afterwards, uh, Bianca called out Alexa and said, I haven't forgotten about you. And then Alexa appeared on the big screen. So that was, <laughs> I mean, it was almost like we forgot that that match, that match is taking place at Rumble this Saturday, isn't it? Bianca versus uh-huh. Alexa. <laughs> I mean, it has done so little to promote that. And that, that is another match that needs to over-deliver on the night. And, you know, they may struggle, Kenny. I really hope, actually, that that match goes on first. Because if it goes on late in the show, I think it will die a brutal death. Yes, I agree. I agree. Get it on early and just get it out of the way. Yes, um, I should mention also Ric Flair made an appearance. I mean, what was that suit? What was he wearing? He borrowed that from Seth Rollins. Yeah, he's just he's I mean, yeah, what what can you say? Um the Miz came out to complain about not being taken seriously, so Kevin Owens comes in and just stunners him a couple of times and then cuts a promo about Roman Reigns and about how he's gonna you know, for two years he's held the universal title hostage and um he's gonna uh, he guarantees he's gonna do everything he can to take that title from uh, Roman or die trying. So very good promo from Owens, just short and to the point. And we did have a segment earlier with Bobby Lashley where he was interviewed and he was talking to MVP and he was talking about how he'd been cost the US title by Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Um, so then we got the main event, which was a no DQ. US well, I should title. also mention as well that MVP turned up and uh, MVP was, you know, making moves about reforming their manager, you know, client relationship and potentially the hurt business. And Lashley told MVP that he didn't need his help to become number one contender and he would handle Austin Theory by himself. Indeed. So um so he he tries and I mean the match the match is, is fine. It's it's decent enough. Um it's and the the crowd are pretty into it. They're 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 pretty into the main event. They've done a good job of kind of building theory up and having Lashley there and uh, Lashley has things in control. He puts theory, theory through a table, and then Brock Lesnar's music hits, and he comes down F five on Lashley, and then he picks up Theory and F fives him on top of Lashley, so Theory's able to get the pin, and Lesnar leaves. So it appears we are revisiting Brock and Bobby. How do you feel about it, Finn? Uh, and 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 then they just the show ended. So I mean, this was there were a lot of timing problems on the show. Clearly. Yeah. I mean, a lot of things were rushed um, after the opening Bloodline segment had gone so long. And what got me about it, about it going so, it didn't feel like it dragged at all. And you think, well, what could they have done quicker? 
in that opening bloodline segment. I'm not really sure because if it, if they trimmed five minutes off it, I don't think it would have been anywhere near as good. No. And to me, that was the number one thing on this program. So I'm glad they did what they did because other stuff was expendable. And, you know, this is the way it goes in wrestling. Sometimes you have your match core, your segment core, whatever. Um, and, you know, the important stuff is what really should be allocated the most time. So, you know, while I understand people are upset about certain things being removed or trimmed or whatever, you've got to look at the big picture. And that opening segment really did deserve the time that it was allocated. Um, as far as Lashley and Lesnar goes, um, I mean, I don't really want to see another match between them. We've seen them wrestle many times. Um, I mean, they were wrestling a year ago, weren't they? In various matches. We, we had them at Royal Rumble last year. They, obviously, then we saw we saw them at Crown Jewel last year. Um, yeah, there was the d- day one. They were involved in that, weren't they? In the Was it the five-way match? After yeah, then, then they were in the chamber match as well last February together. So, yeah. I mean, I'm not really that interested in seeing them wrestle again. Um I mean, Lesnar's going to be involved, going to be in, presumably he's going to be in the Royal Rumble match. They haven't announced a, a singles or a triple threat match, have they, for the undercard featuring Lesnar yet? They haven't done that? No, no they've not. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I, I don't mind if they do one more match. I just don't want to see Lashley and Lesnar as the WrestleMania match. I'm hoping no. that's not what we get, so. I can't, I can't imagine they would do that because the, they've already wrestled so many times. So I don't think that will happen. Um, but I imagine and how would you if you how you know to to set it up on the go home show for the rumble? It's a long time to sort of have it, you know, have have the have it bubbling, you know, to still be a hot program. So yeah, I I I think it's going to be maybe a chamber match. Like maybe that'll be a match at the chamber. Yeah, rumble. possibly, possibly, or maybe <clears throat> maybe there'll be a collision in the rumble. You know, maybe I mean I just hope at the rumble. Because I'm sort of banking on Lesnar Gunter, which may not happen now. Um, yeah, you see. But I'm sort of hoping that we don't have Lashley and Lesnar eliminating each other from the Rumble and then fighting backstage that will then lead to a chamber match because it just feels like a bit of a waste. And I would rather see Lesnar Gunter, you know, square off like Warrior Hogan at Rumble back in 1990. I think that could be huge. Um, and then they don't really do much and like someone gets eliminated and they get separated, but that seed's planted for a WrestleMania collision. I think that would be tremendous for Gunter um, and, 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 and tremendous for the show as well. I think they could have a hell of a match. I know it's been a personal dream match of Gunter's for years, probably since, you know, he first got involved in wrestling. Um, and I want to see that match at WrestleMania. It's a new match, and I think it could be blockbuster. Yeah, hundred percent. I would agree. That's that's what I want to see as well. But um, I mean, overall, very eventful Raw 30th anniversary. There was the the Taker Wyatt thing, the Brock return, the uh, the opening segment. There was there was a lot of stuff on there. So I think overall, it was a, a successful night for WWE. Yeah, I think so as well. I think so. I think it will probably do well in the in the uh, ratings because I mean these nostalgia shows always do. It didn't feel like they really promoted it as much as previous legends and anniversary shows. It sort no. of feels almost like they didn't really promote it enough. Um, but maybe if they had, that would have been at the expense of Royal Rumble. And let's face it, the Rumble is more important than one TV show. So, but yeah, yeah I, I enjoyed it. 
Um, How did you enjoy the uh, the sampling of Eiffel 65's Blue Dabba Dee Dabba Die as the theme song? Because <laughs> like me, you will remember the original film, not just the sample version. Oh, yeah, I remember the song. I mean, I can't remember what era it came out in. When did that come out? Was 90, that 95, 96, something like that. Oh, was it? All right, okay. All right. I think so. Yeah, I, yeah, I remember that. I remember the track. Yeah, it was. Um, they must have been like, "Wow, you know, it's like brilliant." Because this awesome. is it. This is how you make your money now in in the music biz, isn't it? If your mm-hmm. music's used in connection with a film or a TV program or a an advert or something like that, I mean, it's, I think it's quite difficult to make money otherwise. That's yeah. where the real money is. I do stand corrected. It was it was nineteen ninety eight. It came out, but apparently it came, it it reached number six on the US Billboard Hot one hundred in two thousand. Wow. There you go. And obviously this was back in the day when people bought physical music, so it would have, made would some... have been some money to be made back then. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> anyway, but uh, yeah, so uh, listen, I want to thank everybody for all your support here. Um, you can listen to uh, our podcast ad-free over on Patreon, and you get them a little bit earlier as well, and uh, we'll be back later this week with Power Slam and the Overrun. So you can also check out on Patreon the 2003 Royal Rumble review that we did with uh, Sondra, where I think we, I think we kind of slept on the Royal Rumble 2003 and how how fun it was, Finn. Yeah, we certainly did. I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's it was just like I was so pleasantly surprised by the whole thing, and um, hopefully, I'm sure I said that last week in our recording, and I've been thinking about it quite a bit since. Like, wow, yeah, it was it was like so much to savor on this show. I mean, it was. You know, it was a, I would call it a feast for the senses, but it wasn't far off. It was a very good meal. Maybe not a feast, very good meal. So, yeah, it was it was really good, yeah. I mean, really action-packed show and lots of surprises. And, yeah, I enjoyed the review as well. I thought I thought we, we, I thought we all enjoyed the review. I thought we all had a good night on that review. We usually have a good night, but I thought we had a particularly good night on that review. Yeah, we did. We had, a, we had a good time. I think we did it justice as well. So um, we'll look forward to No Way Out coming up in a few weeks. So uh, listen, well, thank you for all your support, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry champagne, 
Chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.